0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 Plus, age varies by jurisdiction, Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.com slash B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Out of structure. Let's do it.
1: Do we have time to run Wolf. If it's first and ten, Wolf for
2: any distance,
3: down distance, I don't care. The game is over and the Chiefs Kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's
2: highest summit. And Chiefs Kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions.
1: Chiefs Kingdom, welcome in to the latest episode of the Outer Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I am Ron Cobb, junior lead analyst at the site. With me, as always, my guy Matt Stagner at, at StagDSP on Twitter. Stags, we are here on a Victory Tuesday. Finally, took us a couple weeks to get back to one, but uh, but yeah, and so that's why you know I'm, I'm, I figured I'd, I'd bring in the show. You know, we we got the Victory Tuesday. I've been the pessimist of the show, so uh, you know, make me do the intro to the show. How about that? Is, is that what we're going with?
2: Sure, absolutely. It was just a little Christmas present for you, Ron. Uh, just yeah. just, just from me to you, no, I. it is nice to have a victory uh, Tuesday once again. The victory over the Patriots, so I'd be curious to see how satisfied you feel with that victory. It's 27-17. They improved to 9-5 and five after two straight losses, but there were times in the game when it was like, eh. And there were times in the game where it was pretty solid. So I'd uh, be curious to get your, your takes on, on this week's game and your first impressions.
1: Well, I mean, the first thing we can talk about real quick, Sags and and the listeners. Anyone who follows me on Twitter uh, may have seen it, but you know, hey, uh, I I was feeling you know like like putting a little ga- gambling, a little wager on something Chiefs Chiefs wise on Sunday. Me and my guy, Monic, shout out Monic, my best man at my wedding, my guy. He kind of suggested, hey, Chiefs Chiefs defense anytime touchdown today sounds like a pretty good bet. It, it it sounds like it could be a good one and i agreed i was like oh man oh, you're, you're right bailey zappy's gonna give him one maybe like a linebacker will, will, will sink under <laughs> a pass and and intercept it and run down the sideline with a blocking uh, a barricade you know leading him into the end zone and that exactly happened willie gay jr gets the pick i'm standing up in my living room. i'm like go 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 and what does he do but just skate right out of bounds and honestly, the, what's funny is he's, he's been getting a lot of crap for it. If, uh, the chief social media, uh, I saw on Instagram released a video and this teammates, you know, many of you came up to him like, what are you doing? Why didn't you score? You know, Bolton was like, Oh, we had blocks. We had blocks. And, and, and so, and Brandon Daly was even giving him a lot of crap on the sideline. And so I'm going to be the, the last one to give him crap, uh, because <laughs> I, it could have gave me a nice little, nice little, uh, change for Christmas, nice, nice little, little more cash to, uh, to get the fam some gifts. So, uh, so that that was a, that was a funny moment on Sunday because he even said after the game too, stags. he said, I got comfortable, I got complacent. So he yeah. knew he knew he, and 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 to be serious though, you should try to finish those every chance you got, honestly.
2: yeah, how many chances do you get a year uh, for those, you know one or two probably for a It was night. his
1: first pick of the year. It was his uh, yeah, first pick since last year. you guys remember that pick six. So yeah, he doesn't get many
2: of those. It was a great play nonetheless, and the defense did step up when they needed to. You know, statistically, this was a really good game for the defense. Again, uh, allowing really a, a New England team that likes to run the ball, allowed them 52 yards on a 3.3 yards per carry average. Uh, that's a pretty solid performance uh, against this this uh, Patriots team. Obviously held the passing game down pretty well as well. I mean, this was a 206 total yards uh, for the Patriots. Uh, uh, was was not a banner day for them on offense. Um, the fact that they got to twenty-seven seventeen is really only a, a, a factor of the the Chiefs' uh, turnovers.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was a it was a pretty comfortable lead at twenty-seven ten in the fourth quarter. You know, this game definitely felt like a, a, a nice, you know, kind of what the Chiefs needed, right? You know, kind of you know the defense, you know, had some soft spots early. You know, locked down, settled in like they had the past few games, so. It was definitely a, a, a win that looked, you know, felt like it was going to be more comfortable till the end. And that's what, you know, some of the frustration of, of uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, some players, but we'll get into a little later. But well, I know we'll be answering questions, Stags. We got questions, um, you know, no questions from the API to structure Gmail account this week. But uh, please send them there if you do not have an X account or Twitter account. is, And that's where we send out the uh, prompt every Monday morning. Get your guys's questions. But yeah, shoot, Zach. I think let's get into it and talk about your winners and losers. Why don't you tell us about some of the guys you highlighted as winners on Sunday?
2: Yeah, you know the the winner and the the stock up for just about every article I write nowadays is Rasheed Rice. I mean, he, this is the Chiefs' number one wide receiver. Uh, whether he's a number one in the league, if you want to make that argument, uh, I, I really don't care. Uh, he's certainly established himself as the best guy. Uh, on this roster and somebody they should focus the passing offense around. Uh, he's gotten better every week. He's been consistent now. Uh, and and I love this tweet from Matt Derrick, who pointed out 81% catch rate. That's the highest for a rookie receiver with at least 70 targets in a season. Uh, that goes back to 1992. So miss me with all the complaints about his drops and, and whatever else. Uh, Rasheed Rice has been phenomenal this year. Uh, was great again this week uh, as a, uh, just a hard-running, you know, reliable cast pass catcher.
1: Dude, th- yeah, that is ridic- a ridiculous stat. Uh, he also mentioned the fact that guys like Michael Thomas, Jamison Crowder, and Amon, Ra- Amon Ross St. Brown are just below him on the list, but, you know, kind of, you know, 5% lower than him. I mean, that's a significant rate. And you mentioned it for a guy that's had some drop problems. I mean, there's no denying it. Um, he's 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 just so efficient throughout that it doesn't even matter. I've, I've been, you know, super excited about Rasheed's development um he's mm-hmm. he's actually like one of the most productive receivers in the nfl over the last few games um you know and, and he's only going to get more and more you know utilization we're seeing it right i mean at, at first it was kind of just very simple things um but they're slowly trickling trickling in more and more um and mahomes is is is, is just going to con- continue to to play with them because you know uh something that you know i i kind of skipped over in the intro we should have went over uh stags but you know they're they're missing sky more now completely out of this receiver rotation too. So I mean, you know, Rasheed Rice is just going to continue to dominate those slot snaps. He had 92% of the snaps uh, of, of the entire offense. So that's like the most a receiver in the Chiefs offense has had like
3: mm-hmm. what, since
1: Tyreek probably. I mean, no one put, puts 90% snap rate up. So yeah, definitely exciting for Rasheed um, to see him kind of just continue to be like a, a, a huge part, like a primary part of this offense receiving wise.
2: Yeah, he's had, had touchdowns in three of the last four games. 91 yards this week, 72 last week, 64 the week before, 107 the week before that. He's averaging nine to ten yards or nine to ten catches per game. Sorry, nine to ten targets per game, uh, with with eight uh, catches per game uh, on, on those targets. So if he's catching eight of nine for 80 yards and a touchdown every single week, that's your number one receiver. That is that is fantastic production uh, to complement what the the rest of the Chiefs have going on on this offense so uh he his stock just continues
1: to climb well while we're talking about your winners uh other guys on offense I mean someone that you know made a play like a wide receiver uh for that touchdown was Clyde Edwards-Elair we got to give him some love um this this podcast has had a love-hate relationship with the team's first round pick from 2020 um and and this Sunday it's all love because you know it was good to see you know him. You know making a significant impact after. You know obviously showing some flashes in that first start he had last week, and then this week. Still, you know nothing significant on the ground necessarily, right? Um, he did have the 20-yard run, which was nice. It was really well blocked up. Um, it kind of popped on a drive, but, but yeah, I mean that that play, Stags. I don't know. What did you think when when Clyde edwards Lair went up like freaking? You know, like a like Jody Fortson. I mean, he you know he was, <laughs> he was he looked like a red zone threat there. That was crazy. I couldn't believe that.
2: Yeah, I know. This is somebody who I've I've tried to I've tried to defend as much as I could in in his Chiefs tenure. Uh, I felt like a lot of the the hate was undeserved. maybe there's times he's not that productive, but there's also times where they ask him to do stuff that he's not that great at. Right. So this is somebody who's not a stretch zone outside, you know, runner. This is a uh, straightforward runner that'll take what the blocking gives him but he's also a phenomenal receiver for a running back and and runs fantastic routes. And, and so to me, you hate to blame it on this, but like it really is about usage, you know, put him in a position to do what he does best Uh, that screen pass that was blocked, you know, with the, the wall of blockers, he took everything that they gave him plus got a little bit extra. Now. Yeah. If that was Jamal Charles, he probably takes it the distance, but like, you know, for for Clyde, given his, his stature and his his speed, uh he he got everything out of that that, that was available and, and a little bit more. And then the the obviously that catch in the end zone was was fantastic. So it, it really seems like people are starting to realize that hey, this is a this is a guy with a good attitude that is a valuable player for this team. And the all the talk about cutting him in the offseason uh or dumping him for a you know a seventh round pick swap in twenty 55 or something uh, was, was a little bit uh, premature running backs take a beating in this league and you've got to have multiple good ones. So to me, I put both Clyde and Jarek McKinnon on the winner's list this week because it was, it was really about using them in the best way possible. Neither of them probably have that, you know, 80 yard touchdown run in them, but they did this week what they do best. McKinnon, you know, doing a little bit of everything, passing the touchdown, receiving touchdown, Clyde with the receiving touchdown and a big screen pass. I mean, that—that's how you get production out of these two players.
1: Right. No, I, I 100% agree because you know when it is when they are just traditionally running the ball. You know, it hasn't been you know super exciting these last two games, but we haven't really. You know, necessarily, it hasn't really been like a, a glaring negative, right? Because it's it's not what they do well, and in the, in the other parts of the offense they need to overcompensate when Pacheco's not in the game. Because I do want to point out that the last two games, uh, McKinnon and Clyde combined have 106 rushing yards on 32 carries. That's 3.3 yards per carry. That does include that 20 yard run by Clyde uh, this last Sunday. Pacheco sh- should be back. This, this next week. Andy uh, yep. even told us that in the last, you know, the previous week, uh, you know, before this last game that he'd be expected to be back against the Raiders. So good to know that Pacheco is oh. going to be back. And then these guys are sprinkled in, right? Yeah. I saw, I saw some people joking on Twitter, even
2: when Pacheco's back, put put Clyde at receiver. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't hate it.
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, no, I know. And, 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 you know, maybe this is, You know, and I know you have some other defensive winners on on your list, but we can talk about the defense in a second because, you know, uh, the, you know, the glaring negative from, from the offense in the game receiver wise, uh, you know, was, was was a guy like Kadarius Tony. And, you know, that's where we can maybe, you know, bring in that Sky Moore point that, that I should have, you know, sat on a little bit earlier, but, you know, the Chiefs did send Sky Moore to IR. Um, He did kind of come out of the game with an inflammatory knee, uh, you know, uh, a swollen knee, I guess um, and, and I guess it's bad enough to send him to injured reserve. So he is no longer a part of the receiver rotation. And so you're talking about a guy that was taking, you know, at least a third of the snaps, if not more, you know, every game, um, you know, this, this, you know, uh, he didn't even take us, you know, uh, well, he took snaps against new England, but he's not showing up on my thing for some reason. Um, cause he had the fumble, although that didn't count. So maybe, You know, maybe that play was taken off the board. Was that his only snap or something? Um, I don't know. I don't know why he's not showing up in my uh, snap count thing. So anyway, Sky Moore, no longer part of this, you know, so they're going to have to do something more at the receiver position, um, you know, in terms of just like, you know, because MBS shouldn't get more receiving straight. I don't think that's the solution. Uh, You know, I think someone like uh, Richie James would be a a nice solution. He had a nice little catch uh, this week. Um, but no, i I think there's something to be said that, you know, maybe Clyde as as you know, can do some of those slot snaps. I mean, they you can do some of that stuff. I don't think that's necessarily crazy if 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 no one else in the receiver room is is really, you know, doing anything anyway. I don't know. It, maybe I, maybe I'm stretching it.
2: yeah. I mean I, I don't mind to see him getting creative at this point because right you know they're they will miss Sky Moore's snaps, but clearly, they won't miss any production from him you could probably get more out of, you know, like you said, Richie James, um, maybe, you know, I don't know who else is going to benefit from those snaps. Kadarius Tony, you would think would be the guy in prior to, you know, seeing him on the field this season, you would think that he would be the guy that would be heavily involved at this point. Any reads comments on him after this week, when, when Tony had the ball go off his hands, off his head, off his hands again, and into the, the hands of a defender. Um, it sure sounded like Andy Reid wasn't, uh, wasn't giving a resounding endorsement of Kadarius Tony going forward. It, it sure seemed like he might be phased out a little bit more too, which so your receiver room is going to be, you know, Rasheed Rice at the top, Justin Watson, and then Richie James, like you said, picking up some of those snaps. That's yeah. very be the case. Uh, Andy Reid called out the fact that he only got Richie James a couple snaps and right. needs to do more of that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it breaks down going forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I, I Moore did play twenty five percent of the snaps against New England. I don't know. PFF for some reason just erased him from memory, um, which which I guess because he's on IR. But that's the thing. You know, he, he his snaps were dwindling anyway. So this receiving room was kind of evolving to to maybe not have Sky. Uh, you know, eat up as many snaps anyway. But you're right. I mean, Tony is just he's this playmaker that apparently somebody in the room in the building wants to see with the ball in his hands. Apparently, I, you know, I don't know if it's Andy. I don't know if it's you're right. The Andy comments you know, make you you think it's not him. But if it's Patrick, if it's the GM, if because because it is, you know, there is something to the fact that he is causing more negative, uh, you know, at this point than he is positive. And the more snaps you give him, the more chance he gets to have negative plays. Um, And that's <laughs> how it's going right now. It seems like you know it, it's kind of he's had forty percent of snaps the last two weeks. That's close to kind of the season high he's had in snaps. And we're coming out of these last two weeks just pulling our hair about what he is doing on offense. So that kind of yeah, I
2: mean, four yeah. targets this week resulted in two catches, five yards, and an
1: interception. Receivers, the four targets. So he's yeah. He's, it's like when your second when your second receiver, which he. I guess he is, you know, Justin Watson, I think just doesn't get the target share. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's like, where do you turn? And so I do think Stags. you kind of, you mentioned Richie James, maybe it is a time we, we, we uh, kind of throw it back to training camp and remember how hype some, some of us were, me included. I was very on the Richie James hype train uh, at camp because he did play well. And uh, you know, that slot position, you know, Rice is going to continue to play more and more outside more and more in different spots. And so, Richie from the slot. I mean, he might he might become a, a player to to watch for and, and, and see him continue to be involved more. You bet. Well, in your Insta
2: breakdown, um, you had some bright spots here um, from the game, not just focusing on the receivers, uh, but but what uh, what did you see in the Insta breakdown this week?
1: Yeah, so I focused on the defense, and so that's why we kind of skipped over your winners on defense, which. You know, you did shout out our guys, uh, linebacker Willie Gay, which we talked about at the front. You know, it could have been a bigger winner for me. Uh, Charles Omenohue and LeJarius Sneed also had good games. And, and yeah, may, maybe I'll start with Omenohue because, you know, the defensive front played very well, limiting Zeke to 2.3 yards per carry. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, the Patriots starting running back. Uh, and, and his longest rush was only five yards. So that was kind of the game plan. You've seen it uh, with this team a lot of times is – Hey, when that team is is obviously wanting to establish the run game, uh, you know they don't have a lot of weapons in, in the in the pass game. You know they're going to focus, emphasize on stopping it, and they can right. They 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 tend to do that uh, when they really lock it down. And and so you saw that, and it started up front. Um, and O'Menihu, you know he uh, he played well as a run defender, but you know I, I definitely thought we saw some of his best reps as an edge rusher um, on Sunday, and and that's something that I didn't necessarily think we may see much of uh, from Charles O'Menihu. This season, I thought a lot of his impact when he'd have games like this, where he got a sack and another quarterback hit that caused an incompletion. Um, you know, I thought we'd saw we we would see more of him coming from the interior, getting those kind of games. But it was nice to see him doing it from the edge. And so he was stout. Derek Naughty had a good game. Uh, he he ended up with a sack, but he also had you know a few other uh, big big time tackles up front. But the linebackers in general, you know, you, you, you mentioned Willie Gay, um, but Leo Chennault had a batted down pass. He blitzed off the edge. That was a great play which, by him. Which, by
2: the way, this was funny because how I've not seen a lot of linebackers run as far as he did with both hands up.
1: <laughs> I feel like he
2: he had both hands in the air and he was running like he was a a, a little kid trying to scare their friend in the dark, you know, for, for about 10 yards uh before he got to that, you know, make yourself look big. You know, like it was it was to me it looked comical. I mean, I love the result. Uh I I love the fact that they get their hands up, but it he just got them up real early and kept them up.
1: It is it is fundamentally a good play though to do that, right? Because you know, a lot of times you'll see guys they get too happy about, hey, I'm getting after the quarterback and they're just pumping their arms and the quarterback throws right over him. Yeah, the quarterback can get hit, but he'd rather get hit and get the ball released than, you know, you tip it. And so Leo, you're right. It looks awkward, but you're right. He's just running hard and just has his hands up like that. I, I pointed that out in my, in my tweet this morning, cause it is, it is a good fundamental, you know, smart play by him and, and a good, yeah. maybe a well-coached play there for him to just keep his hands up there. Um, so yeah. And, and even Drew Tranquil had a first intense sack where he got blitzed. It was, I think it was one of his first reps subbing in for Nick Bolton. They were kind of rotating the linebackers around Tranquil fired in there. So no, the the defensive front really established the the tone for this game, and 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 that's kind of why you saw them settle in. You know, once once the pat, you know, they they let a few downfield passes go at first, uh, but once that kind of stopped, the the run defense showed, and and the Patriots got nothing going.
2: Yeah, Zappi had a few of those like just close your eyes and chunk it passes that that seemed to work. I remember the one against Lejarius Sneed, uh, where yeah, that was lucky under all kinds of pressure, just chucks it. Sneed was all over the receiver. Uh, receiver just turns around and, and catches the ball behind me. And that was a, uh, uh, yeah, you hate to just call it a lucky play, but it, there was some of those completions where he looked really good early on. I, I was like, how in the world did that pass get out and, and get to where it was supposed to go? You you expect it from Mahomes. You don't expect it from, from Bailey Zappi.
1: Well, I will say though, uh, he, he did have a few completions to the tight end, right? Hunter Henry, the one the touchdown mm-hmm. too. And yeah, our, our, our safeties, you know, definitely had a, had a hard time, you know, covering him uh, at, at times, you know, he's a good tight end, you know, Spags actually called it out uh, going into the game. He said Hunter Henry and Mike is sick. He might be the best two summit tight end we've played all year, which, you know, I was kind of like, really, I'd you know, but I, you know, they, Hunter Henry is an underrated tight end, the guy that we've seen with the chargers, you know, uh, back in the day. And so, yeah, I, I think, Justin Reed had that holding call. He struggled. Mike Edwards, you know, kind of was the one who gave up a little too much space on the touchdown. Yeah. But I will, but I will say the safety position, I, I, I called it out today. I, I should have mentioned it when we we're talking about the run defense. They played hard coming up and filling run lanes. They were a big part of the, the run defense. Uh, I should have called yeah. them out because a guy like Chamari Connor um, really showed as a, an active player in the box. He's, he's looking more sneadish as as the day is going on, stacks. He really is. I love it. I mean,
2: when he was drafted, that was our hope, right? This is athletic. Yeah corner that can play some safety that likes to hit them play special teams and and maybe just maybe he could be a do-it-all luxurious need type uh i mean so far so good for connor
1: yeah well the other part of my kind of post-game breaking down um i do the ap premiere you know uh it's a subscription service hopefully you guys are subscribed to it and, and i always do a little breakdown a little more x's and o's kind of you know it's, it's what you guys know i like to do after the game and you know, honestly, what I came away with on offense, we talked about the receivers. we talked about kind of the supporting cast. I came away with the fact that Patrick Mahomes really did play well. And and you saw on Twitter, I'm um, a guy that's actually, you know, a very well-respected quarterback analyst, um, Derek Klassen at QB class on Twitter. He kind of said the same thing, right? You know, he said uh, he charted Patrick Mahomes against New England and, and he was unbelievable. The INTs were unlucky, which I agree with, that he was otherwise perfect. He said immaculate down the field and under pressure, peak performance from QB one. And so it is nice to see that someone else, you know, kind of recognized that because it did seem like he was kind of playing on expert mode. And, and and he, uh, he you know, he won. Right. Like, you know, you play on Madden sometimes. It doesn't matter how well you're playing that computer, man, it, it, on expert mode, man, it is tough to overcome. And the mm-hmm. Chiefs receivers, the Chiefs pass protection really made that tough on him at times. But you saw him convert third and longs like we've seen him do in the past, right, where he's just rifling downfield passes right where they need to be. Um, you saw him, you know, evade rushers at time to get the passes off. The Clyde pass that we, you know, the Clyde touchdown catch we saw earlier or talked about earlier. I mean, that was a great throw. I mean, I know it was the, I mean, but he, I guess he knew Clyde could go up and get it. And that was the only place that the ball could have gone. Um, Yeah. I think, I think Mahomes managed this game very well. I think, you know, obviously the Tony interception was unlucky, but Blake Bell, and he was one of your losers in the, in the, um, uh, winners and losers too. He really, you know, that that's a play that, you really should come back to the ball. That's a, you know, a veteran needs to know to come back to the ball, you know, if he, if, cause Mahomes was late to that. But at the same time, if, we're, if he's someone's late to that, the receiver has to work back, back knowing that the, the ball is going to have to be that much quicker to him because the defense is that much quicker on him. So, yeah, I think that's just as much on Blake Bell. So I think Mahomes really did overcome a lot of, a lot of adversity not caused by him. And, and you know, 27 points was probably like the baseline number of points they were going to score on Sunday with the way he was playing. I kind of wish we we maybe would have seen those points and those yards get ticked up a bit more to kind of make him feel, you know, a little better, more confident going forward, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: He, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe his, he was eight for, or he was like a, I think he was eight for eight before that interception, the first interception um, he was just had a phenomenal day overall. Yeah. I, I don't, I could see the frustration, on the sidelines, when when that interception came off of Kadarius Canary, Tony, yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, this is a a quarterback who just put up a 300 yard game. You know, was was remarkably accurate. You know, two good touchdown passes, and 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 really could have had a lot more. Um, you know, that this was you said 27 was the baseline. It truly was because we actually saw, and I think finally our jinxes uh, came true. We finally saw Harrison Butker miss a field goal, just the, 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 and this was from pretty close range. It looked like he he lost his footing. Like there was something off about his his approach footing and footing and, and kick on that one. Uh, we had been you know dancing around the point the fact that that he was perfect this season. And, and man, should we just not talk about it like it's a baseball pitcher throwing a perfect game? You don't you don't talk about it. You don't uh, you don't jinx it. Uh, finally, he got jinxed enough. And I think the announcers have been doing this all season. Hey, by the way, he hasn't missed one yet as he's lining up to to kick a field goal. So uh, it's, he's turned around and kicked another long field goal, a 54-yarder, uh, you know, after that. Uh, so I'm not blaming Butker uh, for the one miss on the season. But, you know, it, it is uh, it's notable that uh, he finally had his first miss. And and if not for that, they were at least at 30 uh, to 34 points, depending on, you know, how they finish that drive.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll jinx Brandon Aubrey, the Cowboys kicker then, cause he's perfect too. So he is <laughs> very perfect. He's, he's, he's looking so good this year. So hopefully he doesn't miss one. Either. I mean, he, can't, he literally can't miss. Yeah. Yeah. He cannot. Right. So there's literally. just, you know, I, I don't know if we can't even jinx him because he's so perfect, but, uh, uh <laughs> if you didn't know he played soccer at Notre Dame, not football. I've heard that every time the Cowboys have played football, oh, this yeah. year. but, uh, But no that's 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 it does suck we have a question about it later so we can we can talk more about uh butker and and yeah let's just get
2: to that now jake wilson yeah true or false butker's missed kick was beneficial because it eliminates the added pressure of a perfect season
1: hey uh i'll take it sure ask the 19 what 98 vikings was that the year that uh gary anderson uh you know he was perfect all year and missed the nfc championship field goal and that's how they lost and everyone you know if he maybe if he didn't have that pressure of being perfect hey i'll take it i'll take it jake i love the positivity
2: yeah i, I like it too i mean it is it's gonna be nice to be able to talk about the kicker without uh, feeling like you're jinxing him uh so you know
1: Ninety-five percent of the
2: year, or whatever it's going to be, is is not bad.
1: All right. Well, let me get to my party pooper segment. It's time uh, oh, to, yeah. to bring it down a little bit. Yeah. No. We'll we'll have we'll have it going here. Uh, party pooper, and it's it extends from the conversation about Patrick Mahomes' great game and kind of you know the the supporting cast around him. One of the guys that didn't help much was Travis Kelsey, uh, tight end. You know, all pro Travis Kelsey is is someone that only had five catches for twenty eight yards on the game. Uh, seven targets total and the two incompletions he had were both end zone targets. And, and to me, were both catchable passes, both plays that he, he probably should have made. And, and so the first one, um, if y'all remember the Holmes lay, you know, kind of floats it up there, puts it perfectly. For, and Kelsey times his jump well, but it isn't crowd. It isn't traffic. It is crowded. And, and I think he just kind of, you know, over anticipates the traffic or the contact I should say after the catch and, and just drops it and he's mad. Right. And, and that's an easy drop. And, and that happens. Two plays later, third and goal, a little backed up. Um, Kelsey gets to the back line again, kind of in the end zone. Guy's playing face coverage on him and kind of tugs him a little bit. And Kelsey, instead of, you know, kind of playing through it, kind of uses that as a way to try to sell contact, which I get, right? You know, it's, it's you know, you're, if, if you really get tugged, you know, you want to sell it. But him selling it prevents him from actually making a play on the ball, which I think he absolutely could have made a play and, and, and scored there because, Mahomes ended up putting a laser on him, you know, where the guy was turned around. So two plays where, you know, just, you know, Kelsey a little off and, you know, it kind of just extends, you know, on a kind of a stretch here where we just haven't seen Kelsey, you know, be as, you know, dominant or as, you know, able to be, you know, overcome coverage, right? Overcome, you know, guys taking him away. He's only scored one touchdown in the last seven games. He has had, you know, decent yardage games. Uh, You know, he had 90 against the Raiders, 80 against the Packers, 80 against the Bills. Um, But, you know, and a lot of that is the receivers not stepping up around him and forcing guys to take him away or uh, to go away from him. But, you know, I do think there's something too. we've talked about all year. This receiving core is so similar to last year. Right. It's it's the same receiving core, except Rashid's in for Juju, which, you know, hey, Rashid's looking like maybe, you know, an even better version of Juju if he continues this pace. But if Travis ain't Travis Stags, then it's not the same receiving core. And that make does make it a lot harder uh, going into the postseason than it was last year. So I don't know. I am starting to worry a little bit that we're not going to have the same kind of all-pro Travis we've had that we're used to uh, into the postseason. You got any worries about that?
2: I'm not quite there yet. I can see it a little bit. Uh, you know, We we knew that this would be the one of the years where he's going to have to be a little bit more savvy and a little bit less athletic. Uh, he's still made some big plays this year. Uh, I think he's still got plenty in him. I think defenses are certainly deciding they're going to specifically take him away. Uh, So we, um, you know, we can't expect 15 catches for 120 yards every week. Uh, This wasn't his best game, but I'm going to, I'm willing to chalk it up as a, as the Patriots literally trying to take him away uh, above all else and, and I believe that Kelsey will be there for a big playoff run. Now, you want to talk about what happens in 2024 and beyond? You know, I, I think it's 100% time to draft the tight end of the future. You can't say a Travis Kelsey replacement because you can't replace Travis Kelsey. But is it time to draft the next you know top tight end of this team and do it early? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely think this tight end position this offseason is going to be very hardly or very looked at hard. Um, you know, it's going to be a, a a very focused position, the skill position group in general. I think we've talked about it. We've touched on it. But I I, I I do think you're going to see Beach really attack it like he has at other positions in the past. All right.
2: We'll see if you said you're going to stump me today with a player <laughs> that played for the Chiefs and the Raiders. I don't think you did it last time. So what do you what do you got this time?
1: No, I did not remember. I, I I gave up the MVP little blurb from Rich yeah. Gannon, which was just ridiculous on my part. But I I think go. I should
2: start guessing before you give me hints, and, and then and then
1: uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> might be smart because uh, I I, uh, I I throw you too many softballs. This one I'm I'm All gonna right. give you a little heater. Inside. I'm gonna
2: throw out my guest first, and and then we'll, and then we'll listen to your clues, and then my final answer will come after the break. Uh, I'm guessing that you're going with Chester McLaughlin.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, good name, good name. It's a it's a good name, but it's not Chester McLaughlin. It's All not right. Chester McLaughlin. Go, no. go ahead. No, I am an offensive lineman, one that before earning some Pro Bowls with the Raiders, I actually won a Super Bowl before I got to the Raiders. Um, and so I, I, I was kind of a guy that won on a winning franchise, went to the Raiders, was a known name there, then ended my career with the Chiefs, kind of, uh, you know, not not very noteworthy wise, uh, you know, nothing nothing really noteworthy. But a lot of us were excited about him uh, that year that he was around. So that is all the hints I'll give you, Stags. That is all the hints I'll give you.
2: We'll get to that answer and more of your questions after the break. So stick with us on the Out of Structure Podcast.
3: Support so for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
2: And we're back. Ron believes he has stumped me this week with the What NFL Player Am I game, a Pro Bowl, Super Bowl winning offensive lineman that went from the Raiders to the Chiefs and finished his career there. Are you going with former... Iowa State Cyclone, uh, Kalecki Osimile. There you go. There you and go. I'm guessing I did not pronounce that exactly right, but uh, uh, that's as close as I can get right now.
1: Yeah. No. I, uh, I. I. I was trying to keep the years out, so maybe that would help. But uh, I probably, I probably still gave you too much. I don't know. I three. These three hints things. I need to. You know, maybe only. I need two hints. Maybe I need to <laughs> reduce the hints. Yeah, I,
2: I, no, nobody mentioned Rodney Hudson in this uh, uh, in, in this run of us trying to trying to stump each other here. But uh, let's get to some questions from the peoples. We had lots of uh, lots of good ones on Twitter. Not quite as many after a win as we hit after after a loss. Uh, but we do appreciate your questions. Keep them coming every week. Uh, Ron, go ahead and start off with the first one.
1: Well, since we got to Jake's first question, we'll get to his other question here. He gave us two. And so I appreciate the questions, Jake. As always, Jake Wilson at Jake for now on Twitter. Much of the Chiefs' struggles this season have been attributed to penalties. But is their habitual lack of ball security the bigger issue? Stags, what is your opinion on kind of the weighing between ball security and undisciplined penalties?
2: The Chiefs are negative eight turnover differential on the season. That's second worst in the NFL, tied with the Patriots, behind only the Jets and the Commanders. Whew. They've turned the ball over entirely too much. Uh, they've given the ball away, you know, twenty-four times so far this season. That is, you know, fifteen interceptions from Patrick Mahomes. I think that was the over/under we talked about prior to the season. I oh, think yeah. we're, we're at a push right now. Uh, so yeah, ball security is a big issue. There have been many close calls as well where a player has fumbled and able to recover their own fumble. Uh, I think Rasheed Rice had one of those uh, again this week. So it is it is an issue. Uh, taking care of the football is critical, especially when you have thinner margins of victory. This team isn't blowing people out because the offense isn't what it was. Uh, the only way they're going to win games is by being more mistake-free than the other team. Uh, so turnovers, to me, are the biggest part of that. Penalties are annoying, but turnovers are, are killer.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple, right? If, if you get a penalty, you get backed up, but Patrick Mahomes can still overcome that. If you get a turnover, you know, you're, he's off the field, <laughs> you know? So that's right. yeah, that's, and, and drop passes lead to turnovers and, um and, you know, drop pass can be just as bad as a turnover if it's on third and 10. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I am with you on that. I think the ball security thing is a big thing and it's, and it's a, and that's where, you know, my I have a struggle with people saying it's the, you know, um, coaching a lot of the time. You know, the coaches definitely have reasons to be criticized, you know, with the in a season where they're not playing that well on offense. But I just feel like a lot of the issues we're seeing are execution and and, and on the players themselves rather than, you know, what else is going on.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Ed Helensky, our guy, Mr. Ed 315 on Twitter. Might we anticipate more bumps on the road? In the season ending games against the Raiders, Chargers, and Bengals. Is it smooth sailing from here on out, or are there going to be more issues?
1: I mean, that Bengals game is going to be tough for sure. Uh, you know, they look like a very similar team, uh, you know, as as when Joe Burrow's playing for them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, their defense hasn't been that good this year. And, and I do think uh, them not having Jesse Bates and Von Bell this year against the Chiefs uh, at safety is a huge. Kind of difference in, in the in the matchups in the past because those guys just play so well in the back end and can, can confuse Mahomes and take away windows. They may not be able to do as much of that this year, but their defense still, you know, obviously we all know historically has given our offense fits, Mahomes fits, and especially <laughs> with these receivers, you know, maybe not being disciplined in their route, uh, you know, their route running and sitting in windows. That's what the Bengals always force this team to do, right? Is they would drop eight and enforce Mahomes to kind of throw into tight windows or hold onto the ball. Yeah, I think that Bengals game is going to be tough. So, I, I, I definitely think we, we need to make sure we, we respect that game on New Year's Eve in Arrowhead as a competitive game still.
2: And you still have to respect the other two because they are division games. You never yeah. know what could happen. Uh, the Chiefs will be looking to actually to clinch the division this Monday night against the Raiders, which is going to be, uh, you know, it will be nice to have that division championship in in the bag and then work, work on playoff seeding after that, that's always goal number one is is win your division and then, and then go from there. So they'll have something to play for against the Raiders. I don't know what to expect against the Raiders or the Chargers. I feel like those teams have been wildly inconsistent this year. So you could get their best game. They could play spoiler in in either of those two games. Uh, but, yeah, as far as matchup goes, that one against the Bengals is the big one. And then you, you just don't know what's going to happen as far as playoff seeding. and and what they have left to play for how much in their bag are the Chiefs going to be how how much of the a game of Andy Reid do we get in these final three games depending on what happens around the rest of the AFC
1: yeah because I do think uh, a good point was made in the group chat or group chat that you know hey these other teams have a lot of competitive games and and they will be playing them like playoff games where they're going to have their a plus game plan they're going to have you know, they're going to be playing like this is a do or die game and their game plan, their plays that they call are going to reflect that the chiefs, you know, the chiefs and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, the Bengals, again, I say it will be a competitive game, but I think overall these last three games, they will probably just try to run, you know, Andy always does this, right? Just kind of roll out the ball. I'm going to run my stuff and, and and try to beat you. I think you will see that. And, and that allows them to kind of save their, maybe their best stuff uh, for a postseason run. And it might have to happen, you know, with, Four games instead of three games, like usual, because you know it's there is still an outside chance to get to the AFC one seed, but it is going to be tough. Um, yeah, there is still a chance. There's so to answer the
2: question directly, though, are there going to be bumps on the road? Yes, I mean, yeah, this yeah team, yes, this <laughs> team will absolutely have some some moments in those final three games where you're going to beat your head against the wall and wonder, you know, if they've if this is just a doomed season. Then it's not going to be perfect. Um, it's not going to be. It may not even be pretty. They should win all three games though. Uh even, even as, as tough of a matchup as, as that Bengals game is going to be. Nick Pickrell, Nick Pick double O on Twitter with the read fine handed down. Would love your take on the league. Discouraging players from publicly publicly calling out refs. When did this practice start? And do you think it helps or hurts the game? Ron, I'll let you run with that for the moment.
1: Yeah, no, I get why, you know, you can't just have coaches and players, you know, not or you know, not uh punished, I guess, for you know, because if, if there was no fine attached to, you know, criticizing officials, you would just have it so much more, right? Like you'd have it all the time and it would probably, you know, get annoying and and get ridiculous because it is a hard, you know, it is a hard job. But I think I think the fact that, you know, I think when someone like Andy Reid a really prominent name in NFL, you know, and, and all these decision-making things is the one doing this. I think it tells you that, you know, there is something up and, and something, you know, that isn't right about the officiating, especially just for that game. Um, so yeah, I, I think it is kind of, it is kind of weird, uh, to me, but I think it overall is, is, is fine, um, to find the, to find players if they get a little too critical of the officiating, because overall it is hard. And like, you know, these, we're just so it's as a culture. Now we're, we're so used to pointing at the officiating. I think it would get out of hand if if players and coaches didn't feel like they could get, you know, cause you know, you hear Andy all the time, right? He's like, Oh, I don't want to say that. Cause you know, he, he kind of is referencing that he doesn't want to get fined. So for him to go over that line, you know, it's a big deal. And so, yeah, I think maybe it's just one of those things where, you know, they kind of have to do it um, to keep it in line and, it kind of gives you a gauge or a monitor of like, okay, well, if a player or coach does get fined and they go over the line, it's because they really felt passionate about this and something really was up. And hopefully it cha- you know, hopefully it does give some change and maybe that's kind of the silver lining there.
2: Yeah. I do feel like this has been happening forever. This has been a longstanding NFL rule and players know, coaches know that you, you can't go over the top when criticizing officials in game after game, you know, ever, is it good for the game? You know, I, I think I could see it either way. You're right. There there has to be a line somewhere because you can't have, you know, players and coaches and, and NFL. The more players and coaches complain about it, the more fans get fired up. You're going to have, right. you know, officials who are in danger at, at, at games and at home. I mean, there's there's a lot of – that's a tough job. And, yeah. And exposing them to – do criticism is is unnecessary. I do think the officiating has been bad. Uh, so go ahead and find me if you, if you need to. Uh, th- <laughs> they it, don't care about rough. our opinion. <laughs> and, and I I don't know that it's biased. I don't I still don't believe that it's biased, but I still believe that it's 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 inconsistent and, and it's not great. Uh, and does the criticism of it help or hurt the team? You know, you'd almost you'd almost argue that it doesn't help. Uh, because they still have a target on their back. And the NFL does seem to react and focus on things after it's become a theme. So when the offensive offsides was a uh, was an issue uh, for the chiefs and we were outraged that it never gets called, it was called this weekend on other teams. So mm-hmm. it is a uh, it's an interesting trend. That whenever they notice something, they tend to focus on it, and then it, it makes other games. It affects other games. So, I think a lot of penalties is terrible football to watch. I think that Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, we talked about it last week. I think was just absolutely miserable. Not only because Mahomes, you know, was was under pressure the whole game, but also because there was 120 yards in penalties called against the Chiefs in that game. It makes the games harder to watch, more frustrating. Um, and, and I don't know that it's additive from a fairness perspective necessarily to be, you know, to be that strict uh, on calling penalties. So I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what the right answer is. I do know that, you know, sometimes you sometimes you got to let players and coaches be humans and express their emotions and invent their frustration. Uh, so I don't blame the Chiefs for being upset and for venting on that. I just don't know that it's going to change anything for the better.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. The last thing I'll say, you know, on it is just, you know, the fact that, you know, the refs, you know, a lot of times, you know, do not need to answer, you know, for for their calls while the players and coaches do have to answer, you know, for their negativity and stuff. So I do think something that could that could help with all of this is, like, just having a ref, like, have a – I don't know, like more of a public press conference like they have – with the players Mm -hmm. and coaches like i don't know like they have a pool report where they uh, like why not make that more of like a publicized thing i don't know if that'll necessarily help but like at least it's like the ref like hold you know hey like trying to hold himself accountable you know media reports can ask questions to him and try to pick at like you know hey well people are saying this 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 so um yeah i mean i'm
2: not sure i mean i think you'd probably get a lot more of the your company line speech right like Roger Goodell coming out and saying, I don't know why we're talking about a call. It was called correctly, you know, like it's oh, yeah, I I don't know. We get a lot of that. Tell you what. Let's do something fun real quick because the holidays are coming up. Uh, We'll be watching the Chiefs on Christmas Day. Um, So we're going to have Santa Ron come out here and listen to our top three. Will each of us get three wishes uh, for the Chiefs? A genie Santa. For the rest, Santa Genie Santa, Santa Genie, uh, for the for the rest of the regular season and playoffs, what are your three wishes for the Chiefs? I've got three already uh, in my head. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go one one by one. So you get one, I get one, and, and we'll we'll give our top three Chiefs wish list.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, I I do think the number one wish uh, for me, if I'm wishing myself, because uh, I am the genie, so I'm granting my own wishes. Uh, Please, please, let's give Pacheco a a fully healthy playoff run. Um, Even if that means he doesn't play as much down the regular season stretch. Let's just wish him, you know, that shoulder completely healthy so he can run over guys like he loves to do. And that that goes, you know, that that goes throughout the, the remainder of the playoff run, because I do think he we've talked about all your sags and I know you agree, but he is just such a X factor, key factor in this offense that. You know it's easy to kind of overlook, but in these big games and these important games, I really think the run game is, is going to be a difference you know, maker, and, and he is what makes the run game at its ceiling uh, in this offense right now for what it can be. So, yeah, please give me some uh, healthy Isaiah Pacheco the rest of the year.
2: Brings that energy, and I do like starting off your Christmas wish list with health. Uh, so, I'll start mine off with the same uh, healthy Patrick Mahomes for the playoff run. We've seen too many times in the playoffs in recent years, Mahomes not right, hobbling, you know, over having to overcome injuries. Let's have a nice, clean, healthy, 100% Patrick Mahomes. They're going to need him as well. And especially given the state of the receivers, you need Mahomes to be playing like he was this week to make it impossible for the receivers to to cost them a game. Uh, I've noticed, and, and maybe this is just in my head. But it sure looks like to me that Mahomes is being a lot more intentional about ball placement and and sticking it in guys' guts so that there's no chance uh, or less of a chance of a drop. Uh, it, you know, <laughs> you, that's got to be running through his head a little bit. But anyway, healthy Patrick Mahomes for the playoffs—that's the best gift of all.
1: Yeah, because I mean, we didn't even get it last year, so it's not. I mean, you know, it's it's not a right. it's not a given. Um, it, it and it'd be nice because you know. It is one funny thing about last year is, you know, they, they made it all the way through with him injured. I mean, you know, uh, this year I'm not, you know, I'm not as confident with him being healthy, but that's the thing. in my healthy Mahomes through a playoff run. I can't, uh, I can't, I should not underestimate that. So I love that's that right. call. That is a great call there. Um, you know, it's, I know it's kind of a health thing again, but you know, my second one is, is please be cook, you know, be good, be, come back for the playoffs. Uh, mm. you know, I, I want Brian cook back on, you know, back in this defense, because I do like how Chamari Connor's playing. Um, but, you know, I think Mike Edwards in the back end really needs to be a situational type player, a guy that really only plays maybe in like four-minute, two-minute drill type situations where he can just be a true ball hawk on the back end and open field. Just feels like to me, he just in condensed space or just as a tackler, he is just not, get, he does not get it done as much as a guy like B Cook did. And I feel like in the playoffs, they're going to really need him. And then guys like Reed and Shamar Connor, you know, up, you know, kind of underneath, just kind of attacking the line of scrimmage, man. I think you have two dogs there. So uh, please give me B Cook back in the back end, and I think this the secondary is ready to to carry the defense itself to to a playoff run.
2: All right, I like that one. So my next wish is going to be uh, to get some folks off the naughty list. Um, how about some? How about a package of? of uh, them, gloves and cleats for the receiving crew I like
1: this. to get
2: to get these guys off the naughty list, back on the nice list and get them making plays again. Uh whatever it takes, uh whatever equipment you, you can provide or encouragement or or whatever it takes. Uh let, let's get some some receivers in the right place that, that can catch the ball.
1: Yeah, I like that because They, uh, they definitely need some help. I don't think you can, uh, you know, that's, that's really the only thing you can do. There's no, you can't, you know, we're, we're, I'm a genie, but I can't, I can't grant, you know, uh, you know, a a new player on the team, right. We gotta, we gotta help the guys we have here. So I I agree with that one, but all right. My final wish is, can you, can you get us the one seed Santa? Can you get us the one seed? (laughs) Um, and you know, cause it's really not that unrealistic if you look at it, you know, the Ravens need to lose to the Niners and the Dolphins, um, who are two, you know, reasonable teams. Um, Those are two of the three teams they have left. They also have the Steelers left. You know, the Steelers are, you know, a division Mm -hmm. rival team that would love to spoil that for them. Um, But so they need to lose two out of three. You need the Dolphins to lose some games, and they have a rough end of the schedule. They have the Cowboys. They have the Ravens in Baltimore and the Bills. So, you know, that Ravens-Dolphins game, you know, one way or another, that's kind of helping the Chiefs depending on what else happens. And then, uh, you know, the Chiefs have their own little, you know, three game stretch, which we talk about the Bengals being tough. But come on, Santa, get us the one seed, kind of give us, you know, give us a little breathing room and and, and give us a reason to um, to have a, a you know a great chance to, to not waste a Mahomes year and, and, and I, go win a Super Bowl. So I do want a
2: week 18 Kevin Harlan. I'm calling both
1: games, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was the best, dude. That's what I'm saying. Let's get one of those again. That was, that was the best.
2: All right, well, I'm going to pull from the earlier conversation for the final wish here, and that is from here forward, the Chiefs have a positive turnover margin uh, because if they do that, they will get the one seed or they'll at least win out uh, and make a playoff run, whether it's at home or on the road. Control what you can control. Hold on to the football. Take it away on defense. You're going to win games in the playoffs. Uh, I'm looking forward to another playoff run, another holiday season, some time off with the friends and family. Hopefully everybody out there enjoys it. Whatever holidays you celebrate, whether it's Christmas or Hanukkah or something else, uh, make sure that you enjoy it, be present, enjoy your family and friends, enjoy the time off. Uh, I'm going to leave it there and let Ron pick it up and do our, our weekly preview Maybe there's a little less to preview since we just played the Raiders not too long ago, but uh, the Chiefs Raiders coming up uh, on Christmas Day. Enjoy it. Thank you for being with us on the podcast, and uh, I'll talk to you all next week. Ron, take take it from here.
1: Yeah, how about we just break down the NFL playoff picture for you all, just so you all understand kind of where it's at right now. I know we just talked about the Ravens and the Dolphins kind of last parts of the schedule, but. Just so y'all are clear, um, the Ravens are 11-3 and three at the top of the AFC conference right now. Two-game lead on the Chiefs. So that's why you need them to lose at least two games to get them to tie record-wise. And the Chiefs, uh, I believe, do have a better AFC record with their losses to the Lions. Excuse me, the Lions and the Eagles this year. That has definitely helped the Chiefs to an extent. And the Packers, right? So three NFC losses for the Chiefs. That is why they, they can win that tiebreaker. The Dolphins, you know, they're a team that that definitely is is getting uh, hot on defense. Uh, Tyreek kill didn't play this last game, but I don't think that was injury wise. So I think they're a team that definitely could be scary in the playoffs, but man, they play some tough opponents. You know, we already mentioned it. So, you know, they're 10 and four. We're only a, the chiefs are only a game back of them and they have the tiebreakers, the chiefs do. So that's where they can jump them pretty easily, depending on what happens. The Jaguars are eight and six. They've dropped uh, below the chiefs record wise. And so, in terms of the one seed, that's where we're getting the fact that the Chiefs could get there. They are the three seed right now. The Dolphins, the two seed, the Jaguars, the four seed. You have the Browns at the five seed, nine and five. Um, Joe Flacco looking resurgent. I think he's a new Nick Foles, man. I mean, it, it is pretty ridiculous how he has come up, um, you know, kind of out of nowhere. And, and obviously Nick Foles was playing football. He, he, he wasn't off the street like Flacco was. But just the fact that, you know, if everything else can go right for them, you know, they do have a kind of defense to win in the playoffs and, and do something crazy. Um, but the Bengals are the six seed at eight and six. The Chiefs will see them in a couple weeks. That is the thing there is, is, is I think the Bengals you know, do look like a solid team. Um, Jake Browning does look like he can captain the ship. So I do think that's a tough out. And that's who the Chiefs would be playing week one, or wild card round, I should say, um, if, this get, if the season stopped today. But that's the thing is the Bengals are followed by the Colts, Bills, and Texans all at eight and six as well. So there's four eight and six teams kind of sitting in that six, seven spot. So that's where the Chiefs, if you're a Chiefs fan kind of watching the NFL, you want to look at those teams, the Colts with Gardner Minshew, obviously the Bills. I mean, they're on fire. They look like one of the best teams in the NFL in general. Um, And so they're a team that if they creep up into that seven or six seed, the Chiefs will be seeing Wild Card weekend in Arrowhead. And that would not be, you know, probably the most desirable game. Um, But at the same time, you know, probably a game the Chiefs would be confident going into knowing that they should have beat them the first time and that it is a familiar opponent. And so, yeah, I think I think there's some pros and cons to that. Bill that first game being a Bills uh, game, even if the Bills are hot, you know, you get them before they build even more momentum deeper into the postseason. Um, but at the same time, right? You know, maybe you 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 do want to try to avoid them, obviously, and then uh, and then later in the, the the rounds after they've been beat up a little bit or after the Ravens get them, um, you know, maybe something else can happen. So that's the hope. And then on the NFC side, I mean, the Niners, Eagles, you know, uh, Niners, I should say, sorry, are the one seed, you know, in their own tier. It seems like in the NFL. Um, but Eagles, Lions, Cowboys. I think all four teams uh right now are, are pretty uh you know viable teams. I know the Eagles are going through their rough stretch, but you know, this is a team that knows what to do once the postseason starts. And so the Cowboys still have a rough uh end of the season schedule wise. So who knows what the NFC East will end up at Lions? Obviously, they're going to be clinching the NFC North probably here soon um with another win. So it's going to be a fun NFC uh, or NFL playoff uh, run. So I'm excited to cover it for y'all excited to cover, for, cover the chiefs run. Cause I do, I still do feel good that we're going to see some sort of run into the postseason. season. Um, but with some of the, the, they're going to have to overcome some stuff with some of these miscues, some of the errors we keep seeing on the chiefs and, and it'll be fun to see them, see if they can do it. And, and when, and if they can't, then we're going to be here telling you exactly what they need to do to, to, you know, to, to correct them. So appreciate y'all listening. Um, I'm going to wrap up the show here. I'm Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. Make sure you're following at the site. Make sure you're following me on Twitter. I got some clips out today. I'll have a defensive film review article out soon. And me and Staggs will be back next week recapping the game on Christmas Day. And we'll catch you then. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premiere. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride premiere today at arrowheadpride.com subscribe.